0: Hey, what's up? It's your boy Anthony Cass Clark, and welcome to another edition of Thoughts Over Coffee Daily. Good people of the world, what is up? I hope that all is well, all is well on this side. Back at you with another episode. Today's episode features Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. You know him as Big Diesel. Shaq attack. uh, You know him for his movies, known for rapping, but lots of people don't know Shaq for his business, for his business acumen. Shaq is a shrewd businessman. He is involved with multiple franchises. Uh, He is someone who attacks things like he attacks whatever he puts in his mind. He has uh, been a police officer. He has a Ph.D. Um, Shaq has been involved in lots of lots of different things um so i found this i found this clip online he was featured on the wall street journal and they did an interview with him and i felt like it was very insightful shaq spoke about the details of his business and what drove him to that type of mindset what he what he's trying to do for the future how he wants to be viewed how he wants his family to operate all these different things that i felt like he dropped lots of gems and keys in so i want to share with you today because i found it valuable for me so It'll be valuable for you also. A funny story about Shaq really quickly. So there was a period of time where he was living in uh, Miami. He might still have a house here. I'm not sure. But this is when Memorial Day on South Beach was hot. And Memorial Day, you go there with your friends, and it was just frenzy. It was insane. And so one year we went, and we're all on the corner. And this huge F-150, I don't know, call it 450 or whatever it was. Huge Ford truck pulls up, and we're on the corner. And the way that the truck was angled, you really couldn't see who was inside. But they had the windows down. And um, the guy says, "Yo, come here, come here, come here, come here." And we're like, mm, uh, well, "Yeah, we, you know, we are not from the uh, the best of areas, right? We we're, uh, we're from the quote unquote hood." So that's not what you do. When a car stops and they say, come here, you don't walk up to the car like this is dangerous. So next thing you know, we see this hand that must be the the size of God's hand (laughs) extend itself through the window. And this hand was so huge. It could only belong to one person besides Goliath. And that is Shaq. And when he extended his hand to say, come here, we realized that it was Shaq, and then the light turned green. It did. did I say greened? I don't know. Then the light turned green, and he looked at us, and was like, oh, I got to go. And then he just pulled off. And that was my only experience with Shaq. <laughs> but uh, long story short, that was it. And uh, that was a story for no reason. So let's get into the clip. Uh, here it is, Shaq, featuring a Wall Street Journal, talking about business, life, and all sorts of things that are valuable. Here we go.
1: I want to be something more than Shaq. See, the the Shaq guy is going to fade away. Because you got Steph Curry and all these guys stepping up. The Shaq guy will fade away at some point in time. But Dr. Shaquille O'Neal will be around forever and ever and ever.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Shaquille Rashan O'Neal, welcome to you. How are you, sir? Good, and I call you doctor because unbeknownst to a lot of people, you hold a PhD in education. Yes, that's true. Tell me about the franchises that you're involved in.
1: My favorite one right now is Krispy Kreme. Uh, I've had relationships with 24 Hour Fitness, five guys, and you know, but my favorite one right now is uh, Krispy Kreme.
2: And why is that?
1: Cause i like donuts and charles Barkley <laughs> loves donuts and he's my biggest customer <laughs> no but Krispy Kreme is just a fabulous donut i was introduced to it in college and been in love with it ever since so right now i've uh, got a few fr- franchises i'm uh, uh, looking to get more and i want to be a i want to be a large part of that business
2: so i was reading about your relationship with carnival and they called you the CFO, it was confusing because usually that's Chief Financial Officer, but for you it's a different title, what is it?
1: It's the Chief Fun Officer. (laughs) Have you not heard? No, Well, what? CFO. Oh, really? Want to know what else? Tag, you're it. Run! (laughs) It's my job to bring awareness to people about how fun Carnival Cruise Line is. I admit, I used to be a hypocrite about it. I lived across the street from the terminal. And all I saw driving by was a big ship with a bunch of windows. So I assumed it's for old people, it's boring, there's nothing to do. But I was riding around one day and I said, let me go check out one of these ships. That was one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Restaurants, activities for the kids, full court basketball court, swimming pool, nightclub. Like I, 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 was, I was amazed. So I had a meeting with, with Mickey and Carl I said, hey, I don't think the people know what you rolling with over here. Let me let me be the one to tell them. Because again, when you, like back in the day, if you say cruise to me, I'm thinking, bro, I'm not, no, that's for old people. I'm not doing that, but it ain't for old people. <laughs> it's for everybody, and it's affordable. And i stayed at a lot of luxury plush hotels in Vegas. It's the same thing. I'm talking about the rooms, the, the decor, everything. It's amazing.
2: What was your first investment?
1: My first big investment? I want to say it was Google. I mean, I had a lot of little minor investments that, you know, people would come and say, hey, we're going to do some pinstripe jackets with the, with the, uh, <laughs> with, with the, the yeah, with the, with the King of England crest. People are going to like it. You give me a hundred thousand, I'll give you a million in a year. I did a lot of stuff like that that never worked out. So one day I'm sitting playing at the Beverly Hills Hotel and I hear these two gentlemen talking about Google search engines and one day your phone's going to be this and you type anything and it comes up. And I was like, uh, Say that again? Oh, hey, how you doing, Shaq? Come over here and listen to this. Boom, 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 boom. I'll, if it's, if I, I would like to invest in this, my guy hooked it up and we invested and then I forgot all about it. And then I read the article and everybody else read the article about the big hit that uh, some of the early, early investors received. When you look at the perfect pictures, it looks like I'm at home saying, do this, do that, do this." It ain't, it's just, you know, being in the right place in time and just, you know, and just opportunities coming. So. But you,
2: you still have to have a skill for being able to weigh those opportunities. My, How do you know who to trust?
1: My skill is if I, if something comes across my desk and I don't believe in it, won't even look at it at all. So it's like, just
2: a gut feeling.
1: No, it's just one, I can't lie to the people, right? And two, yes, a gut feeling. Like my favorite story, and I don't want to disrespect anybody, but after my first championship, Wheaties. My people say, "Hey man, won't you be on the cover of Wheaties?" I said, "I can't do that." I said, "What do you mean, brother? Breakfast champions?" I said, "Don't know what it tastes like. Never going to taste it." What do you mean? I said, "Well, Frosted Flakes gonna always be my first option. If you want to talk <laughs> cereal business with me, then Fruit Loops, then Fruity Pebbles. Period. There ain't nothing to talk about. When I do business, it's never about the monetary aspect. It's about changing people's lives." uh letting people you know understand that you know you can still have fun so that's what i wanted to do i wanted to be like hey you don't know what's on this ship i do let me show you let me tell you and by the way not expensive i know i just told you we got 50 60 options but guess what this is the price bam so that's what i'm doing now along the way you see an opportunity you go back and have a conversation with them and say you got a lot of great restaurants on here however People like chicken, I don't see you have a chicken spot. This is what I'm doing, would you like to be involved? See, I never throw it. You always gotta have you know business conversation with them. So, uh, well, I'm launching my first big chicken in 2020 on the ship Radiance. That's gonna be our first one. But again, like whenever I do business, it's not about the money. I heard Jeff Bezos say one time, when he was talking, he said he makes his investment based on if it's gonna change people's lives. And once I started doing that strategy, I think I probably quadruple what I'm worth now.
2: Let's talk about the future. You've had a lot of success in the business world. You've done movies, you've rapped, you've done all kinds of things. But what's most
1: important to you now? I have a lot of dreams and aspirations. First one is to be sheriff somewhere. That's my next big dream. Second one is law school. Third one is to open up children's schools, K through 4. There's a school around the corner from my house. I love it. I call it the no problem school. All the stuff we got going on, and I live in south, deep south of Georgia, well not south, but south of Atlanta. And all the stuff we got going on, I ride by the school every day. Black and white kids playing and hugging and kissing, Spanish kids, they're all running around. And they all know me as Uncle Shaq. I'll stop by and I'll play with them. Love that. Law and, and owning a law
2: firm, is part of your plan, right?
1: Yes, that would be.
2: What sparked that interest?
1: Well, what sparked that interest is is, is having a little bit of success in owning things. don't want to be a lawyer. I have no but. I would like to educate myself on what it takes to become a lawyer, take the bar, pass the bar, and then go back to my teamwork concept. Let me get a law firm. Let me <laughs> give me a hell of a point guard. Boom. Let me. Get, I'd like to get five or six lawyers. We put them together, get one guy under me, I manage all of them, we'd be very successful. That's one of the dreams I have. I like to sit down and just make up stuff that I wanna do, and then at some point, go for it.
2: When you went to LSU, it was a tough run. People were hacking you. What was that like?
1: Wouldn't say it was tough. It was uh, was something that I I relished, and I always looked at it as a sign of respect can't play you can't guard you two of my teammates added to me which makes three on one we still can't stop you now we got to beat you up uh but you know growing up with a drill sergeant and being a football player first see a lot of people don't know football was my love so i always like contact i always like bringing the pain and i can receive the pain so, so that
2: gave you the toughness that you needed
1: yeah it definitely basketball. gave me the toughness i needed and you know mm-hmm. it actually helped me make a great business decision. Because uh, again, my, my parents stress education, so my whole plan was to stay four years, graduate, then go, go pro. But the first time I had to make a business decision, and you know, taking all those business courses and, and reading all those books. My favorite book is The Dummies Guide to Starting Your Own Business. A friend of mine named Gino Marino gave me that book. He said, hey, you're gonna be rich, you need to read this book. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, okay, if I get hurt this year from people tackling me in the air, Lloyd's of London will provide me $1 million dollars. But Derek Coleman just signed for 30 million in 88. Economically, it's going to go up 15, 20 percent. So I could probably ask for 40, 50 million. Do I stay and get the one million if I get hurt, or do I take a jump at this 40 million and then come back to school? So that's when I started at the age of 18 years old. And I started thinking like a businessman, and I think it was a great decision.
2: As a kid, how did you relate to business? Did you see yourself as a business person in the future?
1: No, no. I was taught by scared tactics to to become a businessman. And then, uh, you know, because again, I didn't want to be one of those guys. And my family relied on me and everybody looked up to me. My grandmother used to tell me at an early age, you're going to be the one. The one for what, Grandma? You're going to be the one to just make life easier for everybody. And I used to tell her, you know what, Grandma? When I get rich, I'm gonna buy you a big old house in New Jersey. And that was, the, and that was one of the first things I did. So to not be one of those things, I said to myself, okay, all right, I'm making a lot of money. Now what do I do with it? I met a gentleman one time. He had a piece of paper and he said, "This is a hundred dollars. Rip in half, fifty dollars." He said, the "Smart people invest whatever real estate with this fifty, but then he have fifty left. But he said the wealthy people take." half of that 50 now you got 25 and you put you put that away and this you have fun with the cards whatever you want so I started doing that and then when I started going to LA I started seeing the things that magic Johnson was doing in the community and I was like okay this is what people were starting to talk about and then I started dabbing into it you know my first big uh, purchase was uh, 40 24-hour fitnesses we did that uh, and then we did some uh, real estate I'm um, redeveloping uh, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, we dibbled and dabbled, got four or five restaurants in Las Vegas, did a couple of local car washes, uh, got a couple of annuities.
2: What's so attractive about the franchising business?
1: It's just, you know, again, partnering up with a, another reliable, excellent brand, you know, uh, being in business with people, and just, you know, owning stuff. Magic Johnson said to me at 18 years old, when I first met him, first time I met him, because uh, he had an event and they clapped, Magic Johnson, new comrade' it's Q And Magic pulled me to the side and said, it's okay to be beloved by the fans, but at some point, you want to start owning things. And at 18 years old, I had no idea what he was talking about. But as I got older and moved to LA and saw how he moved around the community, I was like, okay, this is what I have to start doing.
2: You were criticized earlier in your career for diversifying. But now, that seems to be your strength.
1: Criticism to me is a double-edged sword. You can take it and listen to it and fade away, or you can listen to it, find some truth in, in it, and better yourself. But only I criti- only take real criticism from my panel. Mother, father, Dale Brown, Mike Paris, Jerome Crawford, Collins Meaton, and Perry Rogers, that's my panel. They're the only ones that can affect what I say and what I do, ever. So again, when I hear something, growing up with a drill sergeant, you can't hurt my feelings. No word can hurt my feelings. I've been in San Antonio, Baton Rouge, <laughs> Germany, so there's no word you can say to hurt my feelings. So I'm programmed to go. All right, you're doing too many rap albums. You lost, you got swept three, three rounds in a row for the last three years. All right, fall back on the rap. Just fall back on that and let's see what you can do. Oh, championship, boom, fall back on the rap again. Another championship, boom, we fall back on the rap and the movies and the commercials. All right, three in a row. So rather than go, oh, no, no, you listen sometimes to what the people are saying, especially if it's people you respect. The people you don't respect, you don't even listen to, but if it's people you respect, like if I hurt because I like you and I respect you, if you said something, I wouldn't get it bad at you. I would just rewind it a couple times, close my eyes and listen. All right, he has a point. There's a point, and that's how I do criticism. So, because you have to take advantage of opportunities. Everybody don't get these opportunities. I never wanted to be a rapper. I never wanted to do movies. Thought about it, dreamed about it. So when I got drafted, Arsenio Hall kept calling me. Hey man, we want you to come on the show. But it always goes back to the story I told you earlier. My mother said, make him remember your name. I don't want to come on your show, Arsenio, in a $5,000 suit. And tell you corny stories and have you laugh. I'm gonna do that because that's the format, but at the end I gotta make them remember my name. Gotta do something different. Let me rap in my favorite rap group, Arsenio. Man, you can't rap. Let me show you. Did it, boom, boom, boom. Record companies called the next day. I'm like, no, nah, I don't wanna do an album. We'll give you a 10 million three album deal. It's an opportunity. I said, okay, but I don't wanna do an album by myself. Let me do it with all my favorite artists and you gotta pay my artists whatever they want. All right, so now I'm trying to help them out, get them some money too, deal. So that was my first opportunity. So then I'm walking around and, in, in L.A. and I see a guy, Billy Freakin. He said, uh, you know who I am? I said, no sir, my name's Billy Freakin. Uh, I directed The Exorcist. I'm like, man, you a legend in my house. Boom, we start talking. I got a project for you, sir. You know, do a movie. Man, I'm not an actor, but, Well, the, the good thing for you is you got to play a basketball player. Man, I don't know if I can do that. We'll pay you three million dollars. <laughs> what? <laughs> me? So this is about, it ain't about sitting at home going I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. A lot of times these things just come up.
2: It's widely known that your relationship with your mother is close and the one thing that really struck me in prep for this interview was learning also about uh, Philip, your father. and. He wasn't just tough on you, he was also tough on the people who were working around you as well, it seemed like. Tell me about him. He was a drill sergeant?
1: He was a drill sergeant. He was a major disciplinarian. And he was a major high-level juvenile delinquent growing up in Newark, New Jersey. And he knew what the surroundings could bring. He knew that if I didn't follow the right path, I could end up a follower as opposed to a leader. So his mindset, I'm gonna do whatever I have to take to make sure you go down the right path. And I thank him for it every day.
2: I saw an interview with your coach, Dale Brown, from LSU, uh, and he said that Phil told him once, I think it's time for blacks to go another direction and develop intellectualism so they can be presidents of corporations instead of janitors, so they can be generals in, in the army instead of sergeants, and so they could be head coaches instead of assistants. If you're interested in my son's intellect, we might talk someday. What inspired him to be that way, and how did that impact you?
1: Well, because he knows that education could, could you know, bring out a lot. Uh, you know, education is something that can never be taken away from you. You have to retire from basketball. You have to retire from NFL. You have to retire from being a rapper. You have to retire from being an actor. But if you don't have education while you're doing all that, you'd be one of those stories that we all know about. Uh, it's just, very, it's a shame that, you know, 60% of uh, professional athletes, after they're done, they have nothing. Well, he made that statement because at the time I was a terrible basketball player. Six nine, 13, couldn't play.
2: Couldn't dunk.
1: Couldn't dunk. It wasn't looking good for me. So the only only way I could pr- probably go to college is get an academic scholarship. So he was really, no, he didn't want no C's, no B's. If I didn't get an A, it'll be... It'll be trouble. And you know, his thing is, I don't care what you do in life, if you're an educated man, they can't take anything away from you.
2: Mm-hmm. And you were in Germany at the time as well, four years in Germany as a kid. How did that influence you?
1: I tell people all the time that I live the karate kid sort of life. The things I went through in my childhood prepared me to, to become the character known as Shaq, for example. Born and raised in the projects of Newark, New Jersey. Had to move to Germany, learn how to deal with Europeans. Left there, had to move to San Antonio. You know, you deal with everybody, including Hispanics. Leave there, go to Baton Rouge, had to learn how to deal with Cajun. So the point I'm trying to make is, it it, it enables me to deal with all people. I speak every language. Shalom, salaam alaikum. what's up big homie? <laughs> how you doing, sir? I speak every language to everybody. And, that's another great thing that my father did for me. Moving every four years, I got to learn different cultures, different religions, and just learn people.
2: When you think about legacy, a lot of self-made people, they worry a lot about whether their kids will have the work ethic that they had to be able to get to where they are. Is that something that you worry about? And legacy, obviously, is a big deal to you because- I
1: use I used the same tech as my father used, education first. Because I tell them all the time, look, we don't need another O'Neal basketball players. I like to have engineers, lawyers, hedge fund operators. Like, hey, it's it's, it's six of y'all. Y'all can go any direction y'all want. Uh, two of them want to go the basketball route, and uh, I have two older ones and I have two younger ones who are very very intelligent. I don't really worry about them, but I don't stress what I did. I just stress education, and I'm also stressing business. I'm telling them now. Think about what you wanna do when you grow. I can get you there, but you're gonna to have to you know, take it over the top. Like, I lived in Beverly Hills a long time, see a lot of rich spoiled brats riding around. They feel entitled, I see that. And based on what I saw Mickey Arison doing, a lot of other friends who make their kids start from the bottom, exactly what I have to do. And my kids are beautifully smart. Like, they're so smart, sometimes I said to them, I think we need to go on the Maury Polka show, because there's no way I'm your father. You got all A's. <laughs> because i listen to my parents i'm very successful I, I wasn't one of those guys that made a 1900 on the, on the sat or, or 40 on the act i wasn't one of those guys that when it come to academics you talk about so you know for me to to, to listen to, to two people who saw the vision that i didn't see follow that vision to a t have good people around me i would say i'm, I'm a lucky individual <laughs> Chef, thanks, <laughs> thanks a lot buddy.